0: Welcome to the Everything Leafs Podcast. I'm Kevin Papetti here with Nick D'Souza, writer at the Leafs Nation. Nick, it's been about three weeks since we last recorded. We've been on a bit of a break here. Leaps are 5-3-1 over that stretch. I, don't, I would say, you know, we probably can't be thrilled with their play, but we we probably can't be overly upset either. I mean, they do have a winning record. How would you summarize these last three weeks, just in terms of your your general thoughts on the team right now?
1: Yeah, it's been a bit of a roller coaster over the last couple weeks couple of weeks I guess two three weeks like you said they are five three and one uh, in their last two and a half weeks but three of those wins did come in overtime and there's been a trade that it has occurred and so a lot of stuff has happened so I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about today
0: yeah let's go right into that trade I think as you said it's been some it's been pretty frustrating some of the wins have even been frustrating with the blown leads against bad teams uh, I think the the real turning point of the last couple weeks was when Anderson gets hurt against Florida. Uh, they blow the game when Hutchison comes in. Uh, part of that is, is Cody Ceci's fault and that horrible behind-the-net pass. And then they go out and they make a trade for Jack Campbell. So, uh, Jack Campbell and Kyle Clifford to the Leafs in exchange for Trevor Moore. Two-thirds, one which could become a second. Uh, I think it's based on whether they re-sign Clifford and, and also how many wins Campbell gets. So, uh, I thought it was a bit of a hefty price, but it it certainly worked out so far. I'm, I'm loving Jack Campbell as a leaf. Nick, what are your I guess early thoughts on this Jack Campbell trade?
1: Well, I think short term and with a little bit of hindsight bias, obviously it's something that needed to be done. Campbell came in, he's gotten the Leafs a few wins. Um, when it comes to the price, I wasn't huge on I mean that pick that conditional third is most likely going to become a second if everything works out well. So I'm not huge on giving that second in this situation. And obviously wish that Anderson just never got injured so that, you know, they really didn't have to make that trade. But again, um, it's something that needed to be done. And you get a guy in Kyle Clifford that pushes play and also gives the Leafs some physicality and kind of that grit that that's very well documented that they're, they're missing on this team. So time will tell, uh, whether that conditional third becomes a second, but, uh, I think short term it's doing well, and you know if they make the playoffs, then it's definitely a good trade.
0: Yeah, I'd say whether or not Anderson was hurt, I think they almost had to make the trade just because of how poor Hutchison was playing. Um, I wrote for Maple Leafs Stove kind of some analysis on the trade, and I call Jack Campbell pretty much a mystery box. He doesn't have many games of NHL experience under his belt. Uh, he was excellent last year. I think he was in like the nine twenties for save percentage. And then when the Leafs had traded for him this year, he was around 900 save percentage. So uh, it's kind of a situation where no one really knew what he was going to be. I don't even think Kyle Dubas knew what he was going to be, because um, we've seen Dubas trade for Campbell in the past just for it to go very poorly. That's what happened with the Greyhounds. So uh, again, like if Campbell can be a good backup for them, like he has so far, if he can do that over the long term, I think it's a great deal for the Leafs, but... I mean, 900 save percentage this year, that's that's worse than Garrett Sparks had last year. So I still think it's a little bit too early to judge. Uh, normally with trades, I like to, to judge them at the time, but I find with goalies, it's just so hard just because, you know, it seems like they're voodoo. Uh, but I will miss Trevor Moore, I will say that. I know you were a pretty big Trevor Moore fan too.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's how could you not be a big Trevor Moore fan? The way that he plays, how he conducts himself off the ice, he just seems like a guy that everyone in the locker room loved. So seeing him go. In terms of his play, 24-year-old, you know, kind of on the fourth line this year, wasn't pushing play as much as I expected him to coming into the season. Uh, Wasn't really making the impact that I thought. So again, at 24, I don't expect him to get that much better. I mean, his numbers might become a little bit better with better usage in, in LA as he gets pushed up the lineup. But I think it was a good trade in terms of Having more as the winger that goes the other way, as as hard as it is to say.
0: Yeah, I think with more, I think he's gonna do well in LA. I'm I'm a big fan of his game. I just think he, you know, he works his ass off. He's he's fast on the forecheck. He's got a little bit of transition skill. He's not gonna like he's not gonna drive play from an offensive standpoint. Like I don't think he's gonna be like a you know a 30 plus assist player or anything. But uh, he, he just seems to do it all. You can put him in the slot on the power play. You can put him on the penalty kill. Uh, he just gets tons of takeaways. Uh, I trust him defensively, so I mean, I'll miss him, but at the same time, you look at the Leafs organization right now, and uh, this was this was obviously before Jansen got hurt, uh, you have Mikhail coming back eventually, but then you have guys like Agostino, Marchman, Aberg, Timoshev, Adam Brooks, uh, the depth they have especially after adding Kyle Clifford as well. The depth they have is, is pretty remarkable, and I think they were certainly dealing from a position of strength. Now, I do think that L.A. did well in this deal. Uh, being able to trade your backup goalie when you're when you're a rebuilding team and getting both a young forward and two decent picks, uh, I think that's a, a pretty good haul for L.A., but this could certainly be a win-win deal, especially if the least make the playoffs, and especially if Campbell's good throughout his tenure here. Uh, It is nice that he's on a rental. It's nice that, you know, next year and the following year, you could potentially have the goaltending position solidified. So, again, pretty early with Campbell, but uh, I, I do feel like it is a little bit of a mystery box, but one that's gone well so far.
1: Yeah, I think it's nice when you have two teams that are in completely different situations, and we've seen two trades in the last year and a bit between LA and Toronto, where you can kind of have these win-win deals where one team is looking for a short-term gain and the other one is looking maybe a little bit more long-term. And maybe that's why they're such good trade partners.
0: I think they definitely won the Muzzin trade. Just Muzzin's been great for them. Uh, and I don't know if jersey has been amazing yet, but uh, time will tell with this one. What have you thought of Kyle Clifford this far? I know uh, the other night he got in a fight that kind of energized the team that end up winning, but it's something different, something we haven't really seen. I think that's just their fourth fight of the season. Uh, but he also is a guy with pretty good underlying numbers. So uh, it is kind of tough to tell for me what to make of him. But why don't you get us started here? What, what do you make of Kyle Clifford thus far?
1: Yeah, I think it's really important to consider what Kyle Dubas said about the trade. He was asked about whether this Kyle, uh, acquiring Kyle Clifford is kind of a change in the kind of the mindset of this team and the direction that they're going. And he said that, He thinks that it's important to have grit and toughness on the team. And it's not that they shy away from players like that. It's that they shy away from players that have that element of the game that can't play. And he said that Kyle Clifford can play. Now, it's only been a few games, but you can kind of already see Clifford's impact in terms of his defensive play. Um, Again, small sample, but he has made a number of good plays where you see the uh, defenseman, the Leafs defenseman, pinching up in the play. Clifford will take the defenseman spot and he'll follow that forward back into his, the neutral zone. And one play against Anaheim in, in particular, he did that and got a stick in the way to break up the outlet pass. So that's something the Leafs are really missing. And one of the goals, I think it was last game was Dermott pinched up. Matthews took his spot and Matthews really didn't follow up defensively. And it led to that breakaway goal that went in between uh, Anderson's legs. So uh I like that side of Clifford's game. Uh, I don't really like the penalties in the offensive zone, but I guess that's kind of something that you got to take with the way that he plays. But hopefully he can clean that up. And, I mean, the fighting is awesome, and there was a clear change in the intensity that the Leafs were playing with uh, from before to after the fight. So in terms of that, I think he's always going to bring that, but I definitely want to see that defensive impact on the ice as well, which is nice to see.
0: Yeah, I'd say with... Both players, they seem to be great in the room, like especially Jack Campbell. I just love the guy already. Um, but with Clifford, it was kind of an interesting move because when you look at something like like RAPM or uh, Magnus, like some of the more like advanced stats out there in terms of play driving, Kyle Clifford looks like a star. So then I'm thinking like, is this Zach Hyman light, where you know he doesn't really have a ton of skill, but he has pretty good. You know, play-driving numbers. Is he very good defensively. Uh, so far, I've been a little bit... I mean, he looks like a fourth liner to me. Uh, he looks like a better Matt Martin. Uh, so, I mean, it's early, but it is nice to have that aspect, like someone who can fight if, if you need someone to step up for a teammate or if you need someone to kind of spark some momentum. Uh, I don't know if I've been overly impressed with his game outside of that. I think he's been pretty good in puck battles and pretty good in the corners. Um, I don't see a ton of offensive talent there, of course, but I guess the question with Clifford is like, this is, this is really nice to have down the stretch for, I mean, I think his cap hits like 800,000 after LA retained, but in terms of resigning him next year, I'm pretty scared. I just, I just feel like, you know, Mason Marshman has gone off in the last week. He can kind of play this role if you need him to for much cheaper next year. And, or you just go, you know, with no fighter whatsoever, like we did for most of the year and most of last year. Um, and they seem to have lots of options there too. So, love, I'm, I'm liking Clifford, but in terms of extending him, I don't know if I want to give him like a $2 million cap hit going forward. Uh, I'm just a little bit hesitant of that.
1: Yeah, especially when you have the guys coming up from the Marleys that can do kind of similar for a lot cheaper, as you said, and paying $2 million for any fourth liner isn't really a good plan when you're playing paying so much to your top guys as, you know, I'm not really saying that's a bad thing to pay your guys a lot because obviously you need top guys, but when you're doing that, you need cheap guys in your bottom six.
0: Yeah. Okay. So going, I think the, that trade kind of switched the narrative or switched the momentum around the team. Um. So let's recap a bit from, from when we last recorded here. So, uh, there's been five wins, three losses, and one overtime loss. So the record at first doesn't seem too bad. Uh, obviously, they are above five hundred, but some of those wins were quite frustrating and against pretty bad teams. So they started off with three straight wins, 5-2 against Nashville, 5-3 against Dallas, 2-1 overtime against Ottawa, which is a little bit too close for comfort, but we'll take the points. Uh, so everything looked great. And then you had that, that 5-3 frustrating loss to Florida, uh, where you have the three one lead, all of a sudden CC kind of makes a careless play. Uh, Anderson's hurt. You have Hutchison in there, and he's letting in some bad goals. Uh, so that was kind of a, a turning point in the other direction. And then another frustrating loss to the Rangers, which was also a, I think that was the, kind of the final straw for Hutchison. So uh, three and two for the first five games, and then more recently. And kind of want to get your thoughts on these games because they're more recent here. Uh, The overtime win against Anaheim, that was Tavares. An overtime loss to Montreal, which is a really low-scoring game. And then an overtime win against Arizona. I think that was the Marner OT winner. So they had 5-6 under Campbell. Anderson comes back. They lose, of course, their first game. So, again, a bit of a mixed bag, Nick. But as of late, I mean, I'm a little bit frustrated with Anderson right now. I don't know about you. Uh, He's hurt for a while. He comes back. I thought... It seemed like they scored on the first goal, the first shot of every period last game. So uh, are, are you ready for a, a goalie controversy here? Are you ready to give Jack Campbell the starter's net?
1: Uh, no, I, I don't think so. Um, the thing with the Leafs is that at the end of the day, Frederick Anderson is your goalie. Uh, usually we see his best play when he kind of gets into a rhythm and um, you, know, you never want to see your goalie play that much, but with Frederick Anderson, when he's getting like three, four, five starts in a row, that's when we've seen his best hockey being played. So I didn't, it's not to say that I expected him to not be very good the other day, but I wasn't surprised that he came in a little bit rusty after missing some time and, and you know, goalies are so difficult to predict and maybe rhythm is something that's very important, especially with Frederick Anderson. So I'm definitely not ready to start a goalie controversy, and I don't think Campbell has been. I think he's been good enough for the Leafs to win, but I definitely don't think he's been, you know, good enough that we can start doubting Frederick Anderson and start saying that we should start uh, Campbell.
0: How dare you say anything bad about Campbell?
1: I know he's such a nice guy. Like those quotes are just. I know. How could you? I think
0: Anderson's the clear starter because he's gone (laughs) nine, eighteen. Seems like every year. Uh, But if Campbell gets hot, I wouldn't mind riding him for a bit just to give Anderson as much rest as possible. Uh, I mean, I'm going to go with... They have a back-to-back here, so both goalies are going to play. If Campbell gets like a shutout or something, maybe I'd start him the following game. They play Pittsburgh twice next week. Uh, But yeah, it's going to be ultimately Freddie's net. I just think that having those guys around, whether it be Campbell's play or or just their off-ice performance, it seems to give the team a bit of a boost. Which is great. Um, but, I mean, there's been a lot since we last recorded. There were two key injuries. One to Andreas Janssen the other night. Looks like he's it was on his knee. He looks like he's going to need surgery. Uh, it's going to be a long term injury. And then Cody C.C. as well. I think it was a high ankle sprain. Um, so I want to get your thoughts on the young Swedish defense pairing. Uh, C.C. now being out, I think. I mean, you never wish an injury on anyone, but I do kind of prefer the lineup now, if that makes sense. What have you thought of two rookie defensemen playing together, uh, specifically Timothy Lilligren, who's filling in for Cody Ceci?
1: I've really liked their play, and, and you know, both you and I have watched that pairing quite a bit with the Marlies, and watching them play together, especially at the AHL level, was one of my favorite things. They And it's tough to really comment. I think they've only played together... Uh, what is it, four or five games now. So I think they've been good. Um, Together, they're usually producing more shot attempts when they're on the ice than, you know, allowing. So that's always good. Um, Hasn't really come together in terms of, you know, goals for just yet. I don't think they've been on the ice for a goal yet, but it's only been five games, very small sample. Um, And they're not really being kind of sheltered as much as I thought that they would. So those shot metrics that are positive right now do look good and and just watching two guys that both like to step up in the neutral zone and they also have a partner that can has the skating ability to track back and cover for any sort of pucks behind them is so fun to watch so I'm a big fan of that pairing I think that's going to be a pairing for this team going forward especially next year uh, and years ahead so it's nice to see them kind of like a nice appetizer this year.
0: Okay, follow-up question. If Lilligren is going to play 10 to 12 minutes a night, let's say Keith, if Keith tells you he's going to play him 10 to 12 minutes, would you rather him be in the NHL level right now or would you rather go with someone like Marinson and send Lilligren down? I just want to see what side of the debate you're at on this.
1: Sorry, so that's with the current situation right now?
0: Yeah, so with this roster...
1: Uh, oh, I see, okay.
0: If 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 Keith tells you he's gonna play him ten to twelve minutes, would you rather him be in the NHL or would you rather him play twenty plus minutes in the AHL and put Marins in
1: there? Oh, with the definitely with the NHL. I mean, that that AHL team right now, their defense. I don't want Lilligren to be playing with that AHL team right now, especially if the Leafs are. I mean, the Leafs are in a playoff race right now. They need wins. They need their best lineup in the line in on the team right now, and I think that's the best available right-handed defenseman or any defenseman that could play right d right now is timothy lilligren so even though it's 10 minutes i think that it has to be him because you want you want to be winning at those margins even if it's 10 minutes um and if you could get the best possible third pairing it has to be him i think he's you know there's a pretty big gap between him and martin marinson um and him and Sandine have a pretty big sample at the AHL level playing together. So if you can win, you know, those fourth line battles with the third pairing on, even if it's for 10, 12 minutes, I say you got to go for that.
0: Yeah. Okay. I was kind of debating this with Anthony Petrelli. Okay. uh, Another writer at Maple Leafs Hot Stove on Twitter. So uh, for me, I came on the same side as you saying like, all like priority A, B, and C right now needs to be the Leafs making the playoffs. Uh, in terms of development, I think the minutes thing kind of gets blown out of proportion at times. Like it's one thing if Liljegren was playing ten minutes a night for eighty-two games; it's another if he's just doing it for half the year or or quarter of the season. Uh, and then I think because we watch the Marlies pretty regularly, like it's rough down there right now. They they did get a nice win in front of Melnick apparently last night, but I just I just feel like this is the best spot for his development as well like let's get him NHL minutes let's get him some experience playing against you know much tougher competition than he's see in the AHL level that way if if you need him for next year he's he's, a, he's not a rookie anymore he's got some some games under his belt he's got some experience you're not just throwing him to, into the fire so I think in terms of de- development I'd rather him get some NHL experience and then in terms of just the Leafs like that's I care about making the playoffs more than I care about Lilligren's development at this point. Um, I just don't think it's going to make a big difference either way in in terms of how good Lilligren is. Um, And I just feel... I don't want to see Marinsen in a playoff race right now. I want to see Lilligren, uh, whether it's Dermot Lilligren, who was a pairing for the Marlies way back when, or Sandine Lilligren, uh, I think those pairings can work at 5-on-5. So uh, I'm glad we're in agreement there. Uh, I, I just feel... Priority A, B, C needs to be making the playoffs in every scenario.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I don't think Lilligren... Well, we'll see what happens with the trade deadline. I don't expect Lilligren to be in the playoff lineup. And, I mean, if he is, then I think that probably is a testament to how he's been playing. But again, I don't expect him to be in the team um, come playoff time. And he's played with the Marlies for now three seasons. So I don't really think if he plays for the Leafs for even, let's say, Three months—that's harming his development at all. Um, yeah, like we've seen what he's he's done at the AHL level. He's really made strides uh, in terms of his, in terms of his defensive game, and then this year he's made strides in his offensive game. So I think he's ready for the Leafs. Um, so I don't I don't really think that's harming his development at all.
0: Let's stay on the defense here. So since Cece's been hurt, we've seen. I guess there's, there's not, no longer a huge weak link back there. Um, the Muzzin-Hall pairing, I think Hall's been struggling of late. Uh, and then you have that, that Dermot-Barry pairing that's been a little bit controversial, but I mean not too bad as of late. And then, of course, the kid line. So uh, the big story of the week is Jake Muzzin potentially being extended. I know Bob McKenzie had said that considerable progress has been made on that front. And listening to McKenzie, he says if he's Muzzin, uh, he would need four years to to sign. That's what he get on the market. Uh, He might even push for a fifth, but he thinks four is the most likely. Uh, Pierre LeBrun chimed in saying, like he thinks a four-year deal around 5.5 million a year would work well for both sides. Where are you at in terms of extending Muzzin right now? Uh, I've seen kind of people take both sides, where people are scared of the long-term risk. Another saying, oh, you know, he's a great player. We need him right now. Uh, it's a steal. Where do you kind of fall on that spectrum?
1: I think I'm somewhere in the middle, and I think, I think it's difficult to be on one side in this situation because we've seen contracts that are given to players that are over 28, over 29, um, and into their 30s, actually. That you know, you give them term, and that contract goes completely sour. Now, the opposite end of the coin is you don't give Muzzin that contract. He walks at the end of the year, goes to a different team, and now you're looking for a player like Jake Muzzin going forward. Uh, with the Leafs, Muzzin has been very good. Last year we saw him in that shutdown role. Played very good against the Boston Bruins. I thought he was a re- big reason why you know that Pasternak, Bergeron, and Marchand line didn't really do the same damage that they did the year before. Um this year, it looks like he's going to be with Hall, and he's going to be in that exact same position. So it kind of frees up Riley and Barry and even Sandy and Dermot to play against easier competition. So that type of defenseman is so important to the Leafs. If I had to pick a side, I think if... Sorry, what was the contract LeBron? Was it four years, 5.5?
0: Yeah, so let's go up just a bit. Let's say 5.65. Let's say that. Four years, 5.65. That's what Muzzin wants to sign. Otherwise, he's hitting the market. Are you signing that deal?
1: I think I would sign that deal at four years. I think that years three and four could be a little bit rough, but if you get... Let's say let's say year four, because I think Muzzin can play a shutdown role and free up other offensive defensemen for the Leafs for the next three years. And you look at John Tavares, who is now 29, and I think Tavares still has three years in him, let's say three, four years of being good. And those ne- these next three years are very important to the Leafs at the end of the day. So I would probably take that deal. It's, and guys like Jake Muzzin that can push play, play top competition, don't just grow on trees. So it's I'll, I'll say yes, I would take that deal.
0: I would take it too. And to those saying they wouldn't do it, I have questions. Question one is how are you going to replace him? Because I get that... It could be a bit of an overpay in terms of years 3-4, but it feels like you're going to overpay for someone with that skill set regardless. Like, if you have to if you have to replace him by a trade, you're probably giving up in at the bare minimum, um, and it's probably in plus. Like, you might be in plus, I would say, another pretty good piece. Uh, whether it's someone like Engvall, whether it's someone like Janssen, like, teams aren't giving away their good... Shut down defenseman for nothing. Um, even Kapan I think, is a bit of a reach. And then, like, you're not gonna get find anyone on the open market. It just feels like they need Muzzin. Like, they have Riley, who's not really meant for a shutdown role. They have Sandine, who maybe one day will be meant for a shutdown role, but he's he's a rookie right now. Like, are you really gonna trust a contending team uh to put, to put Sandine there against like Kucherov and Pasternak? Like. Let's have Sandin kind of drive a pairing, uh, get comfortable uh, at the NHL level first. Like, I'm a huge fan of Sandin's game, but I don't see why you can't have both of them on the, on the same team. Uh, so I think the big question for me is, how does the fourth year look? Do the Leafs front load the contract? What's the, the no trade protection in the final year? Because if the Leafs have a get-out-of-jail-free card here, if they're able to, you know, trade him to Ottawa if all goes wrong, uh, and he only makes, say, like, two million or three million in the last year, all of a sudden I think that's a, a great contract for the Leafs. So I'm not too fussed about the cap hit, whether it's, you know, five point five, five point seven, five point eight. Uh I'm a little bit more concerned with how the deal's structured and how many outs the Leafs have if it all goes wrong.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. I think that but I also think that the Leafs manage it and maybe this is kind of appealing to authority here, but I think the Leafs have shown enough, the Leafs management, sorry, have shown enough to us that that's something they really care about. I mean, they obviously have Brandon Pridham there who has, you know, kind of is painted up as a, a cap guru and they've, they've made good choices in terms of how to structure past contracts. So when it comes to that, I think that is extremely important, but it's also something that I think they have under control. Um, One thing I saw, one thing I saw with Muzzin was someone saying that it. Do you want to do to, like it's one thing to think that Muzzin Muzzin's game is going to kind of tail off as he gets you know up in age, which I think is completely valid. It's another thing to say that you shouldn't you shouldn't sign Muzzin for four years or five years because it's blocking Sandin or blocking Dermot from playing top minutes because and and you could and there'd be cheaper um, and you know maybe they could do that what Muzzin's doing one day so I think I saw a similar argument when Tavares was signed by some people saying that you know do you want to use all that money when you could be using it for like third and fourth liners so I mean they're in the business of winning at the end of the day if Sandin does develop into a you know, let's say in the next two, three years, he becomes a very good second-pairing defenseman or even a first-pairing defenseman. Him playing in a second-pairing role or a third-pairing role only benefits the Leafs if Muzzin's in that top-pairing role. Like, having Dermott playing, for example, like last year when Dermot was, everyone was saying he'd, he'd be a good second-pairing defenseman, something I think he, he was last year and this year, him on the third role and the third pairing benefited the Leafs because now you have a guy who's, overqualified playing on that third pairing. So I, I just never really understood that, that argument.
0: I don't care from that perspective. I'm more... And what I will say is that I think Muzzin has the leverage here, especially if he's willing to go to another team because he's going to get four years easily on the open market. Easily. And if he did hit free agency, not only is he getting four years, but I think he's he can get full no-trade protection from some team. So... It is going to be a bit of a give and take, and if he's willing to kind of say, okay, if I'm bad in year four, here's it out so you guys can trade me, then I think this deal could really work for both sides. Muzzin gets to stay where he wants to stay. He gets to play for a contender. Uh, He gets to play with some very skilled forwards. Uh, I guess the question for me is, if it's not Muzzin, who's taking that role? Because I don't see anyone in the organization that can also handle a shutdown role right now. They'd have to make some sort of addition. And, Nick, if they do, let's say they do extend Muzzin, because it seems like they're headed down that way. A lot of the talk in terms of the upcoming trade deadline is around not only acquiring a defenseman, but acquiring a controllable one. So, one name that's been thrown around was Matt Dumba. I think that's looking less and less likely. But let's say they go out and get a Dumba. All of a sudden, you have for next year, Muzzin. Sandine, Riley, Dermot, Hall, Lilligren already. You already have six. Dumba would be number seven. So, unless someone like Dermot is is part of this deal, uh, like, how do you weigh going out and getting someone like Dumba if it means Lilligren being in the AHL next year for most of the season or someone like Hall being out of the lineup, uh, like? Where are you at in terms of trading for a defenseman right
1: now? I think it would have to be a defenseman that is marginally better, that you know for sure can play top four minutes against top competition, um, and is right-handed. Like I, It has to be someone that, I guess, moves the needle. But then those players aren't the types that you know come cheap. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Leafs don't make a move for that reason. Um, that one that they can't get a guy for a good price that will really make this team that much better because, they, do, as you said, they do have Sandine and Lilligren coming up. And even for this year, if they make a trade for a right-handed defenseman, Sandine's most likely the odd man out because when Riley comes back, they'd have Riley, Muzzin, and Dermott on the left side. And on the right side, they'd have Hall. Uh, they'd have the new de- defenseman. Let's say it's Dumba. And then on their their third pairing, they'd have um Barry. So Sandine would most likely be that odd man out. So it's, it's something that even for this year, they need to look at it and say, is that defenseman marginally better than Rasmus Sandin this year that we want to trade those types of assets? So that's another thing that I think is a tough decision. And I guess time will tell. I mean, the trade deadline's coming up. so
0: Yeah, I want Rasmus Sandin in my playoff lineup. I don't care that he's a rookie. Uh, I think he's just amazing in terms of his first pass, whether it's on his backhand, spinning away from a four checker uh, or, or a stretch pass. Like He reminds me of Kaverly in that regard, just his ability. Like Forwards must love playing with him. Uh, there's a stat the other day on the broadcast, the Sport Legique numbers, uh, that really painted Sandin highly in terms of his defensive zone passing. Uh, I don't need the numbers to tell me that. I've been watching him for long enough. Uh, for me, this is a guy who benefits the Leafs every time he's in the lineup, he's a guy that should be in the playoff lineup. I have no interest in upgrading the air come playoff time. Uh, If I'm going to be making a trade for a defenseman, particularly a controllable one, uh, I'm far more interested in trading Barry before he walks uh, and then using those assets or using him as part of a package to get someone more controllable. Uh, That's where I'd focus I know Barry's been a bit of a controversial figure. I know we were talking about him way back when, when we were recording with Ian. Uh, but for me, like when when Muzzin's out of the lineup, everyone has to take a tougher spot. All of a sudden you have Dermott playing tougher minutes. Uh, everyone's kind of moving up the depth chart and taking tougher minutes and taking penalty kill time. But when Barry's out of the lineup, if he was ever out of the lineup, it seems like everyone's job would be a little bit easier. There'd be... One more, there'd be more sheltered minutes to go around. Sandine's probably going to get power play one time then. It would probably put up tons of points. Like, I think he's like a 40-plus point defenseman if Barry's ever out of the lineup. Um, so, for me, I do think that Barry's been quite a bit of a disappointment. I know he's has, like, positive, like, slightly positive numbers in terms of, like, Corsi-Rell or expected goals, Um but he's also heavily, heavily sheltered and plays with some pretty good forwards most of the time. So I've been a little bit disappointed with him. If the market is strong on him in terms of, of in terms of trade interest, that's where I might consider upgrading. But I think the Leafs blue line now that CC's out is actually half decent. Uh, but I might have to eat my words there pretty soon.
1: Yeah, and I mean how that defense has been playing. It kind of back, is backed up by the numbers. They've been a lot better defensively. They're usually on the good side of the shot share. Uh, when they look at the last two weeks, I mean, obviously their goaltending has been bottom five in the league. So since Lilligren, since CeCe got injured, defensively they hasn't haven't looked that bad. And, and even in terms of expected goals, they're usually positive for that too. So I think if they can get some better goaltending, then the current defensive core... That The, the current defensive six, sorry, will look a lot better, you know, kind of from the masses.
0: Yeah, once Riley's going to replace Lilligren, obviously, um, as long as CC's out, I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, I, I want to talk on Dumba specifically. Dumba, what I'm scared of is him being the next Barry, where you pay a haul for him, and then he's not quite as good as his point numbers indicate. Uh, this year his numbers are down, we just saw the wild trade Jason Zucker, I know a lot of people thought that was a, a pretty good package, I did not, I think Zucker is well worth that package, I love that deal for Pittsburgh, uh, if you can st- make, steal Dumba out of Minnesota, I'm all I'm all ears, I'll, I'm i interested, but it sounds like like their biggest need is probably a center, I don't think Captain's going to get it done for Dumba, I think you'd have to add pretty significantly, so I'd have my sights focused on someone who's a little bit more of a shutdown type of defenseman. I was interested in Brodeen, but I think his price is going to be too high just based on what I've read. But Dumba specifically, I am very wary of guys with big point totals that don't really have the defense to match. I think they lost the Kadri the trade pretty handedly. Uh, mainly because like this is the year the Leafs needed to win the Kadri trade. The next two years... The Leafs might not have, like, they're probably not going to have Tyson Barry. So Colorado's definitely winning years two and three. I think the Leafs had to win in a big way this year, uh, and I don't think they have. So I am, and and just the interest of of trade value with Barry, like, I don't, it's not good practice to let a ton of rentals walk out the door. Uh, I am excited that they are, I'd like to see Muzzin, like, depending on the contract, I'd like to see him over the next, you know, three four years, but it seems like Barry is now on his way out. Uh, it, it they're not gonna have the cap space for him, so you know if if there's a deal that makes sense, I'm I'm open for it, but I'm also scared of making another type of Tyson Barry move for someone like Dumba, if you have to pay a haul.
1: Yeah, we'll certainly disagree in terms of the Kadri trade. I thought I still think the Leafs win win that. How? I think the difference between what Kerfoot and Kadri are this year. I mean, they traded Callie Rosen, who's played seven games for the Colorado Avalanche. I'd...
0: Rosen's irrelevant. Rosen is irrelevant.
1: Okay, so let's say he's irrelevant. Then it's a two-for-one deal where you get a guy, Kerfoot, who's come in, who has played in the top six, who can play left wing. You've got a guy who can play third-line center, who's played pretty good. The difference between Kerfoot and Kadri...
0: It's is... huge.
1: It, it's not bigger than Barry and Rosen. Oh, it... it... I don't care how... like.
0: This isn't it's a water year because Kadri's not a free agent after the year. That's fair. Colorado is winning Colorado's winning year two and year three. I think that's that's completely clear. You can't argue it. Two year two, year three.
1: I can't argue that, but I don't think Barry's been as bad as what people say. And like you can't use his usage and say, Oh, well yeah, like he plays with good players and he gets heavily sheltered. Like that's what was supposed to happen at the beginning when we first got the trade. We knew exactly what we were getting in Tyson Berry. Like I, do, I think he had a rough start, but like I don't think that he like that's exactly how he was supposed to be used. That's the best way to use him is we have good players. He had to play with the top 6, which the Leafs have a good top 6. So and he has pretty decent numbers with those top six. So you can't fault him for that usage. That's exactly where he's supposed to be. I don't fault use. him for
0: his usage, but if he's gonna get that usage, he needs to be taking full advantage and having great numbers instead of just, you know, team average numbers in, in terms of like things like Corsi. Uh when he's on the ice, the leaves should be pretty much dominating. That's that's his skill set. And they haven't been. He's been playing poor defense. He doesn't look good with Riley. Uh I guess like the main issue
1: Did you expect him to play good defense though?
0: Well I thought he'd be slightly below average, not horrible. Uh, he's been pretty bad defensively, okay And then offensively he just hasn't lived up to expectations whatsoever. Uh, he hasn't really been a plus on the power play to the point where I'd rather have Sandine on Power play one. Um, and I just I don't see a ton of five on five offense from him. Uh, if he was this elite, like what I was expecting is someone like Morgan Riley from last year where you know he's this elite offensive defenseman um but we've seen way too many point shots out of him we saw a very poor decision in overtime like the the Leafs probably win year 1 slightly just because it's a two for one but if if Barry's not extending it doesn't look like he will Colorado is going to win years in 2 and 3 by such a wide margin that I can't I don't even think this trade's close um I think Colorado certainly won I think the question was can it be a win-win trade and like In Dubas' defense, if you go back to the time the trade was made, we didn't know Justin Hall was going to be an NHL defenseman. Uh, we didn't know, really, what was going to happen on the right side. They just come off was gone Zaganova on the right side. They were desperate for a puck mover. But I think they paid a desperate price. I think they it seemed like they were kind of bound to trade Kadri after that suspension. It seemed like, especially after they tried to trade him to Calgary. But... Just looking forward, like years two and three, Colorado definitely won that deal. And I don't think it's paid off for the Leafs in year one enough to say, you know, the Leafs got enough in this year to, to make it worth losing in, in years two and three.
1: Yeah, I think time will tell. I, I certainly agree that in years two and three, by the looks of it right now, it looks like Colorado is going to win that pretty big. And I think when that was first signed, we knew that. It was going to be tough to re-sign Barry. I know in like earlier podcasts, you and I were talking about Barry potentially getting, you know, a long-term contract with a high AV, which you know, time will tell with that. So I'm definitely I I think that if I was still on that day back in the summer, because that's really how we can judge it. Like you said, we never knew Hall was going to be an NHL defenseman or that he was going to even be playing this much. If we knew that, maybe you probably don't take that deal. But at the time, I think personally for me, I still would take that deal. Knowing that they needed a right-handed defenseman that could play in the in the top four this year, they couldn't go into the season with. I mean, Zaitsev would have been gone, so they would have been CeCe, uh Hall, I guess, and I don't even know it would be Marinsen. They they couldn't go into the season with that, and sure. So,
0: but with Dubis, with Dubis, I'm not gonna call him. Like, I think he's a good general manager. Let's start with that. Uh, he's had good drafts. He's had a series of good moves. I'm not gonna complain about Dubis all that much, but what I will say is that when he came aboard, a part of like the expectations with him and him being like this bright GM was that he' was gonna go and out and find good underrated players uh, and and really either sign them for a good deal or or make a good trade. Find these underrated guys that can really play um and Barry is kind of the opposite of that he wasn't he was kind of an overrated player based on points uh we when you look at things like RAPM you look at play driving metrics Barry doesn't grade out all that well so it's almost like Barry is kind of the complete opposite of that whereas I think there were like Kadri's a very good player I think there are better deals out there I've liked Kerfoot but I like him at center and if they're not going to play him at center I'm a little bit kind of confused with Keefe's lines right now. Um, whether it's been the new first line that he tried for a couple games, whether it's been Kerfoot on the left wing uh, for so for such a long stretch, uh, I just I just don't really see where they're going with with this. Again, I like Kerfoot. I think he was a fine third line center, but uh, Nazem Kadri is a good second line center. Uh, he's hurt now, so maybe that'll kind of even it out a bit, but. I do miss having He's play driving. And I do think that if they were going to trade Kadri, I would have liked more of a long-term solution rather than a rental. The deal made more sense to me if Barry was going to extend uh, and extend at a pretty good price because it is... Which we don't know right now. Where's the cap space? How are they going to afford him?
1: Well, that's true. But again, like, like we're speculating at the end of the day. like I just think that we're... We're, we're a little bit too early, and Kadri is a very good second-line center, but he was never going to play second-line center for the Leafs. And at the time, maybe with Keefe, I think Kadri probably would have played left wing at some point. Um, maybe like, you know, how Kerfoot is right now. But at the time, it looked like he was stable to that third line. So I think that in itself, like we were never going to get as much out of Kadri under Babcock, and that's kind of another conversation. So at the time, you're trading a third-line center, who's staple there for a guy who is also a third line center, not as good, obviously. And you're getting a right-handed defenseman and you're trading a defenseman who's irrelevant in Cali Rosen. So like, I still stand by, I think that I would make that deal, but I think we should talk about the Leafs forward lines. Cause I also am really confused on where they're going with that. I actually tweeted, I think it was yesterday or the day before that. I also love Kerfoot as a third line center. And I think as a left winger, I think in a fully healthy lineup, just as a left winger, I think Kerfoot would be the fifth best left winger on the Leafs. I would have Janssen over him. I'd have Hyman over him. I'd have Engval over him. And I think I'd have Ilya Mikheyev over him. Do you agree with that?
0: I don't think... I don't know. Engval, Kerfoot, and Mikheyev, I think, are all pretty close. But the problem is that it is close. Like Kerfoot's making $3.5 million. You don't like we don't want to pay him three point five million to be a mediocre third line winger. Uh I guess he is in the top six right now, technically, but he doesn't he's not playing like a top six winger. Like he's not really driving that line. He's got very easy usage, whether he's playing with Hyman. Like if I'm playing with Hyman Tavares, I'm thrilled. I think that's one of the best jobs in hockey. You're gonna get the puck a ton. You have tons of opportunities to make plays, especially as a playmaker like Kerfoot. Uh, for 3.5 million, I want him driving a third line. Um, and again, like, that's the why, big reason why I don't think the trade was even close is because Kerfoot, his value to me is as a play-driving two-way center. I don't know why he's on the wing right now. Um, I don't mind him there. It's just, I'm not a huge fan of the third lines have been running out. Uh, I think Engvall, I prefer him on the wing, um, even though I like him at both positions, I just don't think the playmaking's really there with him. And then it's it's kind of funny, they've been relying on Spetsa, and Spets has actually looked okay in that third line role. Like it feels like I don't know where they'd be in terms of their scoring depth without Spetsa at this point.
1: And I think I think you're right saying that Kerfoot and Mikheyev and Engval are close because you can get similar, if not better, results from Engval playing in that top six in my opinion. And you're gonna get a lot better results from a third and fourth line centers of Kerfoot Spetsa, then I think right now they've been running spezza Engval. And you could still have Engval on that wing, who, sorry, you'd have someone else on that wing, whether it be, I guess, Aberg or uh, now they have Kyle Clifford to play that fourth line center, uh, left wing. So I don't know if this is just a short term thing to wait till Mikhaev comes back or what, but I just can't wait till Kerfoot's back on that third line center so that. I think just overall the team will look a lot more balanced than it is right now because Kurfa doesn't really do anything for me on that top six. I don't think he wins battles very well. I think he's a pretty good playmaker, but I don't think he's the type to really skate around and create open passing lanes and give his... He doesn't really do that. I think he's good at receiving the puck and finding the open guy, but I think they can find other guys that can provide more for them.
0: Yeah, I think with Janssen being hurt now, it makes a little bit more sense to have Kerfoot on the wing, at least more than it did before. Uh, but for me, I really like the Engvall-Kerfoot-Kapanen line. I'd go back to that. I thought Kapanen and Kerfoot were playing very well together, and I I don't know why they broke it up. Um, so another kind of, I guess the biggest lineup decision that keeps made of, of late, I want to get your thoughts on this. Nylander, Matthews, Marner, Where? what's your thoughts on, on the Negotiation line, as they call it.
1: <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like that name for it at all. But uh, <laughs> uh, I think I think it's kind of early to to judge them. But I guess that's that's kind of what we're doing now. But I think they've looked okay. I mean, obviously, we've we've always seen two stars with one, I guess, puck retriever, whether it be Hyman or Jonson or now Mikhaev from this year. So it's a little bit different to see kind of a, the Leafs starting a game and ending a game with a line of all three stars. So it's something that we have to kind of adjust to. I think with time, it's going to start looking really good. We've seen Neelander and Matthews have a ton of success in the past. This year, Matthews and Marner have been fantastic together. So it only makes sense that they should be good. And neelander has been quite good on the left wing whenever he's been there this year under Keith. So I think once they start to get a little bit more chemistry playing all three of them together... They will look good, but going forward, I don't want to see it. I certainly don't want to see it in the playoffs. Um, I think that pairing up Matthews and Marner, or whether it's Matthews and Nylander, um, and then Tavares giving him a star on the wing is kind of the way to go long-term, especially in the playoffs. But as a short-term thing, I'm okay with it, I guess. But you know, the quicker that they can change that up and kind of give a, a more balanced top six, uh, the better. Because that Tavares' line has looked good I guess I mean it's kind of like a New York Islanders line where you just put two two guys with Tavares they all two like hard-working guys with Tavares and he makes them stars but uh you know we have the stars we, we're not the New York Islanders we can give him Neil and or a Marner so
0: yeah I hate the line so far I think I'm not too sure what keeps thinking here um like for me it's pretty easy you put you have Matthews and Tavares up the middle You have Marner and Nylander on the right side. Pair them, and you can't really go wrong. Um, Like, for me, we kind of went from one extreme to the other. Under Babcock, they didn't experiment with anything. We saw zero change. Uh, The lines were the lines. Like, we went, I I think a couple years ago, we went, like, months without one single lineup change. And then now, under Keefe, it's just, like, experiment after experiment. But the problem is, is that they're not in a comfortable playoff position. They're they're in a race. Uh, if this is preseason, I would have loved to see it. Matthews, Martin, Nylander, sure. Like, give me a reason to watch a, a preseason game. I'm there. I'd love to see that. I think the entertainment value is high. But the points matter right now. I'm kind of tired of this experimenting, uh, like narrative that's go that goes around. I'm not. This isn't experimentation time for me. This is win time, especially when you're playing a good team like Dallas the other night. Like I want my best lineup out there, so I'm not too concerned about that line figuring it out. I'm more concerned about the other lines. So even if like I thought they were, they looked pretty dry. I mean, I know Nylander was sick, but they didn't, they didn't really dominate by any stretch in terms of you know generating all these high danger chances. Um, I'm not too concerned about Matthews, Martin, Nylander figuring it out and looking okay, but I'd much rather have Tavares with a high-end winger. Because last year, Tavares and Marner... Like, Marner was the the league's leading scorer in terms of, like, primary points per minute at 5-on-5. So, like, all I want is Matthews with an elite winger, Tavares with an elite winger, and then I'd ideally like Kerfoot as the third-line center. But I just... I don't want to... I don't want any more experimentation. I just want the best lineup every night until they're comfortably in a playoff spot.
1: I just thought it was funny that... Tavares was given Kerfoot and Hyman because I mean obviously Neilander and Marner were with Matthews and I was expecting if that you know if someone told me that was going to be the first line I would expect either Kapanen or Janssen who are probably the next best offensive wingers one of them or both I would expect both of them or one of them to be with Tavares so I thought it was funny that it was Hyman and Kerfoot and then Janssen and Kapanen were on the third line so They were really kind of testing Tavares' skill there, uh, giving him those two wingers. And that's no slights on those two.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, problem A is players have been sick, so they haven't been themselves. But I I think we're both a little bit surprised that Janssen wasn't in the top six earlier. I thought coming back from injury, he looked very slow. He didn't have his conditioning. I know Keith made a comment about that. But as of late, like in the few games before he got hurt... I thought he was back to himself, and for me, he's a guy that can go the net. He can't really drive a line with his transition skill, but he can go the net. He can score. I would have liked him in the top six. Um, I, I haven't been all that impressed with the lines of late. Uh, I, I so my ideal lines now that Johnson's out. I'd probably go you know Matthews, Tavares, Kerfoot up the middle. Uh, I wouldn't mind Adam Brooks back. He made a really poor play against the Blackhawks, that I think was the reason he got sent down. Um, But I wouldn't mind him there, especially with, like, a bigger player like Clifford. Um, I want to see just Marner, Nylander, Kapanen on the right wing, and then kind of figure out your left wings from there. So I've been a little bit frustrated with the lines. Uh, The Leafs have been pretty rough offensively as of late, like, Is it fair to say they haven't been themselves offensively lately?
1: Offensively, definitely. And, you know, something might have to do with Morgan Riley. I mean, obviously, he's very good offensively. Um, As documented by kind of the beat reporters, the Leafs have been sick. Uh, Who knows who's been sick and whatnot. But they definitely looked a little notch lower than what they have been. So hopefully they can return to full health and we could see the, the regular Leafs. But one thing I will disagree with your lines that you said is that Adam Brooks needs... Kyle Clifford beside him, a bigger guy. Cause did you watch the Marlies game last night?
0: Yeah, the big fight.
1: Wow. I was I saw him get hit into the boards, and then when I heard the commentator say Brooks was getting into a fight and it the camera changed to him and he was just he was winning the fight. He won the fight pretty big. So maybe Kyle Clifford needs Adam Brooks on his That's line. That's what I'm
0: thinking. Like if, if Clifford loses a fight, then you have Adam Brooks to to take him on, almost like an older brother kind of thing. What do you think of that?
1: Kind of like the boss at the end of a, of a of a video game. Yeah,
0: perfect. I think Brooks is is made <laughs> that role. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to Mason Marchment. He had like, he's been scoring like crazy. I want to say it's like six goals in three games and something like that. Uh, I think he's an NHL player today. I think, like, I'd much rather have him up at the league minimum than give Clifford big money next year. Uh, I think it's. I'm fine with him staying with the Marlies the rest of the season, if there's no injuries with the Leafs. But I am scared of signing Kyle Clifford for like $2 million a year. So I'll say that. Uh, in terms of the upcoming stretch here, Nick, Ottawa tonight, Buffalo tomorrow, I think they need those four points because their next games, they, go, they got two straight games against Pittsburgh, who just acquired Zucker. They look amazing. And then Carolina, who's always a tough opponent. I think they play them on the Saturday. So it feels like they need to get four out of four points this weekend. Uh, you got Campbell starting tonight against Ottawa. You got Anderson starting tomorrow against Buffalo. I'm going to the game in Buffalo, so I'll try my best, but no promises, Nick. Yeah,
1: if, if you're uh, are you a righty or are you a lefty? I can't remember now. I'm
0: a lefty, unfortunately. I'm a lefty unfortunately. So. so maybe
1: we'll experiment you on the right side.
0: Yeah. Okay. Perfect.
1: Against Buffalo, I think we can uh we can possibly uh risk it.
0: I am the other thing that was weird, I mean Abberg's up, but like when he started on the left wing, like a couple of Keith's decisions I just find so like it, at, at some points it feels like he's running a video game, he's just gonna experiment with whatever he wants. Like I do think he's a good coach. I like a lot of what he's done, but at some point, I just want him to buckle down and say, "You know, these are the lines that I like. Uh, I think this is, gives us the best ch- chance of winning. That's why we're running them." Um, I, I do like that Goche is not in the lineup right now. At least I don't think he is. And uh, obviously, I think CC. I'm I'm curious to see. I'll get your thoughts on this quick. Like if CC had not gotten hurt, do you think he's in the lineup the first game after the trade deadline?
1: After the trade down, well, I'd hope that they'd trade him by then. But I thought that with CC, he was in the lineup because... I mean, if CC's healthy, this is the kind of the, the thought process I had, but if CC's healthy and you're scratching him, the chances of you trading him is pretty low for any sort of value. It's pretty low. So that's why I thought he was in the lineup over Lilligren. I think Lilligren's pretty clearly an upgrade over him. Um, and I thought that before Lilligren played in the NHL. I think a lot of people did. So I think that's why he was in the lineup.
0: I'm just curious to see like we'll never know, but like if he would have been in the playoff lineup if he stayed
1: healthy. Oh, I see I don't think so. and maybe that's my op- that's no, maybe okay. that's my optimistic side, but I, I think they knew what Cody CC was and I think you know they know that see, I'd rather have Dermot on the right side and have a Sandine dermott third pairing once everyone's healthy, then have CeCe. And I think a lot of people would say that. And I would hope that the coaching staff would as well.
0: Yeah, I guess one other player who extended would be the draft. Pierre Engel, extended for two years. What are your thoughts on that extension? I
1: thought it was going to come a little bit lower. I thought it was going to be more like a Trevor Moore deal. But again, at 1.25, you can't really be upset about that. I think if he plays third, uh, on the third line or even in the top six, or even on the fourth line, I mean, I think that he can provide a lot of value. Obviously, you don't really want to be paying too much to fourth liners, and I think 1.25 is is okay if he does play on the fourth line, but I think there's a ton of potential there. I think he's a guy that, as a left winger, the Leafs aren't deep at left wing, uh, and if they do trade Janssen, then I think he has potential to be a guy that can produce like how Janssen did last year.
0: Yeah, I think I'm pretty happy with it. I think his ability to play center probably raises price tag a bit. I've loved him on the penalty kill. Uh, Just his his speed, his long reach, and then he just seems to have this ability to pass the puck backwards. Like, he'll go in the offensive zone, have the puck, and then pass it way back, and then they ice it again. So I think he's, like, a high-end penalty killer. Um, And just that ability to play center. One thing that I've placed more value in is guys that can keep Nylander in the top six. So last year, come playoff time, you know, Kadri gets suspended. They didn't really feel comfortable with anyone else as a third-line center, so they went with Nylander. Now it feels like, you know, if if Engvall or if Kerfoot got hurt, the other would just go in as a third-line center. You also have Spets there if need be. So it does feel like they have more depth at center. I'm fine with 1.2 for two years. Uh, just a player who I think everyone's kind of taken to and and who's kind of continues to raise his stock game after game
1: yeah and if he does go into that top six i think he would provide them with a ton of defensive value because his ability to get back his ability to get a stick in the way of pucks um not a huge takeaway specialist but he's position well he's quite good at it He, he exactly he's always in position so uh that kind of you know if you're in good position everything else kind of follows up and his playmaking has He's kind of shown flashes of what he can do, and he's a pretty good finisher. So I think there is a ton of potential with this contract, and two years should be more than enough to see what we what we have in Pierre Engval really.
0: Yeah, I think the only questions I have in terms of him playing in the top six are his playmaking. I, I don't think he's a good playmaker, but um, one, I wouldn't mind seeing it. Like If you're going to experiment, that's one that I, I guess I wouldn't mind. Um, but one final shout-out before we get out of here. Nick Robertson, we saw his brother make his debut against the Leafs the other night. Uh, his 14-game goal, his fourteen game goal streak was just ended. Uh, they lost to the Windsor Spitfires. Um, he did get an assist in the game, so his point streak went up to 16 games. But during the goal streak, 14 games played, 19 goals, 9 assists, 28 points, and 90 shots. He had one shot in his last game, so he actually had 89 shots in 13 games. Nick, are you you getting excited for the other Nick, or or do you want to be the only Nick, I guess? No, no.
1: The Leafs have had too many Nicks. whether it's Nick Shore.
0: Nick Antropov.
1: Nick (laughs) and Nick Nick Kuhlman, one of my favorites. Wow. Uh, So Nick Robertson might be taking the cake in a few years, and maybe he's going to be taking it this year. But actually, I was thinking about it the other day, and I'm going to put you on the spot with a little bit of a hypothetical question. Well, actually, it's not even hypothetical, but... Nick Robertson currently has 42 goals in 37 games. He's got 14 games left. Matthews has scored 41 goals in 57 games. He has 23 games left. So who do you think is going to finish with more goals in their respective seasons?
0: Ooh. Okay, so how many how many games do each have left?
1: So there's a bit of a difference there, but also a difference in their goal rates, which I think makes it interesting. So 42 goals for Robertson. 37 games played he has 14 games left okay Matthews has 41 goals in 57 games but has 24 games left so who do you think scores more goals in their respective seasons Ooh. I'm gonna cool. make this a poll later today so
0: this is a lot of math uh,
1: yeah
0: <laughs> Robertson basically scores at a goal per game so he's got 14 goals left 14 games left yes yes so that's like 55, 56 goals. And then Matthews is... Old.
1: He's at 41 goals with 24 games left.
0: Yeah. Ooh, man, this is going to be tight. Um, I'll go with Robertson.
1: Okay, wow.
0: He's goal per game. That's like I, ridiculous. I went with
1: Robertson too, but I think he's... 14 games, I think he can do it. It's going to be
0: so close. That's a good question. So we, one last question before we get out of here. Uh, this weekend, they we got Ottawa, and then they got Buffalo, uh, followed by two games against Pittsburgh and a game against Carolina. Five games. How many points do you need to be happy with this team? Uh,
1: five games. So they need four in the next two next two games, like tonight and they do. tomorrow. They need the four points. I don't think there's any excuses, whether you're sick or whatever. Uh, injuries, everything included. You need to beat Ottawa. You need to beat Buffalo. Um, The Penguins will be tough and obviously the Hurricanes. So I'll go, I think they need at least six or seven to, and I mean, Florida isn't playing that well right now, but because the stretch after that, you have Lightning, Panthers, Canucks, Sharks, Kings. So kind of a mixed bag there. So I think you're going to need six or seven. So that's what I'm going to be expecting.
0: Yeah, I I was going to say six or seven as well. So I guess we're on the same page there. Uh, I'll be at the Buffalo game, so I'll try my best to kind of sway things our way. Maybe I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll ask Chris the line in how many games they have left against the Leafs. I'll get them, I'll get them confused. Yeah. That'll, that'll be my contribution. But, uh, Nick, thanks for, uh, thanks for a good chat today. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see everyone next week.